Listen, folks, um, you can go if you want to, because I'm just going to preach to myself tonight. If you want to just be polite and hang in there, that's fine. But I'm going to preach to myself tonight, and because um, this is what's been on my heart. And uh, maybe, maybe you're like me. Maybe you're a little odd and a little strange. But um, how many of you think you live in a world right now that doesn't make a whole lot of sense? It doesn't make sense, does it? Uh, we Americans, uh, this is not the country that I grew up in. It's just not. Uh, I used to know which bathroom to use. Institutions and architects used to build bathrooms and we knew which one to use. We used to know that marriage was between a man and a woman. We used to know how far a dollar went. I can't afford to buy, I can't afford to drink Cokes anymore. I mean, I'm serious. I used to buy a 12-pack for $3.50. Y'all been to the supermarkets lately and tried to buy a 12-pack of Coke for $3.50. You can't get the Kroger brand for that. We live in a world that doesn't make a whole lot of sense right now. But you know, let's bring it back to individual. There's a lot of things in my personal world that doesn't make sense. I turned 60 last week, no, two weeks ago. Yeah, I'm getting old. I forget how long it's been. I'm 60 years and 19 days old now. I don't know how I got there. I didn't think I'd live that long, but I, here I am. Last month, a guy by the name of John Lee comes by the church. I'm at the airport picking up something that my in-laws forgot at the airport. And you ought to try stopping after 9-11. You ought to try pulling up in a vehicle, a motorcycle, and leaving the motorcycle there at the, at the pickup place and walk in to get something. People go crazy. That guy just left a motorcycle there. What's he doing? I'm, I'm, I'm just going to get my father-in-law's thing that he left on the airplane. You can't do that. Well, i got to get it. And well, you can, could you just stay here and watch? I'll be in. I, they already know I'm coming. You know, 9-11 changed everything. Last month, a guy by the name of John Lee comes and wants to go on a ride with a bunch of guys. First guy to pay. Signs up and has a day of his life. One of the days of his life. Because he told me, Todd, I'm so glad I got to go on this trip. I've had such a ball. And we ride home and almost make it home. We're almost to White Bluff. Never puts on the brakes going down the hill. Never makes it through the turn and goes in the woods and meets Jesus. We live in a world that doesn't make sense a lot of times. And yet God tells us to trust him. Now, I know who the Wednesday night crowd is. And I'm not going to tell you anything that you don't already know. 
but I've printed out something here for you that I hope you will take and give to someone who struggles with trusting God when life doesn't make sense. I pray you'll take this and stick it in your Bible, put it in your purse. You'll do something with it because somebody at work, a family member, someone's going to need this information, these six verses down the road. I need them now. I don't know about you, but these are the verses that I need now. And so when Pastor Mike said, I'm going to be out on vacation, Todd, you're up. I want you to take care of it. Um, I just prayed and this is what the Lord gave me. So I'm going to do the best with what I have to bring you tonight. Okay. So the question is, do you struggle sometimes trusting God? If you're honest with yourself, do you struggle sometimes with trusting God when your life or life in general doesn't make sense? I think everyone is there at some point, sometime in their life. But what does it mean to trust God? Let's stop there and, and, and ponder that for a minute. What does it mean to trust God? Well, in the next 40 minutes, I hope we can solidify the answer. I, I got online and I, I typed in that question. And here's a summary. If you trust God, you believe that he's in control of everything in the world. So all the things that I just went on a rant about, God's in control of that. If you believe, if you trust God, you believe that he is in control of everything in the world and your life, John's life, everyone else's life that's gone before us. He's in charge and control of everything in the world and your life despite your circumstances. I love that. I had to, I had to, well, hello. Thanks, Lord. Okay. If you trust God, you believe that he's in control of everything in your world, your life, despite your circumstances. So trusting God goes beyond feelings. Now, how many of you are feeling type of people? You all are. You're emotional type of people. Last night, Around midnight, couldn't sleep, so I watched this game show. Uh, everybody watched, uh, fam is it Family Feud? What's the guy on the, 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 the black gentleman? That yeah, okay, thank you. So they asked men, 100 men, this question. How many times have you had a deep cry in your life? You know what the number one answer was? Five. Now, if they'd asked women that question... <laughs> that had been how many times a week do you have a, a cry? No, I don't know. I don't know. Men are very, uh, very uh, stoic. They're very, uh, they, they hold their feelings very tight and close. But trusting God goes beyond feelings. Rather, it means that you trust both in his character and his promises. You believe that he is good and that he loves you. You believe that he will fulfill all his promises that he's made to you in the Bible. How many promises are there in the Bible? There are thousands. Rather than trusting in your own senses and ideas, you believe in God and you believe in his word. So how do you trust God in all circumstances? Well, it's one thing to know 
what it means to trust God. It's something else to actually trust him. See, we know a lot. I know a lot about Elvis Presley. But I never met him. And I hadn't seen that new show that came out about Elvis. I hear it's really good. But anyway, I'm, I'm going to try to see that one of these days. But it's one thing to know what it means to trust in God. It's something altogether actually different to trust God in every circumstance. So there's six strategies that I want to share with you tonight that I believe will help you trust God when life doesn't make sense. The first one is um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Now, who can quote Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 without even looking at it? Trust in the Lord. Let's say it together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Oh, you guys are very good. You all know this. Now, that's the theory. That's the principle. That is the strategy. But let's think about it. Let's break it down. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. When you trust in your spouse with all your heart and something goes wrong, what happens? It's broken. So when we trust in the Lord with all our heart and it doesn't work out the way we want to, we have feelings. And feelings give us wrong strategies if we go with just our feelings. The Lord is at work, and I'm going to share that with you a little longer here. The Lord is at work doing far more in your life than you know about right now. So Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. You don't know. I don't. Okay. Preaching to me. I don't know near what I think I know about any situation in life. Trust in your heart with, trust the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Just acknowledge him and he's going to make your path straight. He's going to make your path the way it's supposed to be and get you to where you're supposed to be. So when I'm overwhelmed, I'm burdened and battered by life. When I'm tempted to trust in myself rather than trust in the Lord, the unfortunate reality is this. I begin to rely on a sinful self-sufficiency that's hardwired into me. When I don't trust the Lord with all my heart, and when I try to lean on my own understanding, I go to a, my default mechanism is to go back into my sinful self-sufficiency. It's hardwired into me. Let me tell you a little bit. I like to fix things because I can fix things. And a lot of people come to the church. A guy two weeks ago came and says, Todd, this economy's killing me. I just spent $400 fixing the brakes on my car. I said, you did what? He said, yes, they charged me $400 to fix the brakes. I said, did they put on new pads and rotors? What'd they do? No, they didn't put on new rotors. They just put on new pads. And I need it done on my truck too. I, I can't afford it. I need you to pray for me. And I said, well, I'll pray for you, but I'm going to tell you right now, we can put your brake pads on your truck. He said, what? I said, I know what year a truck that is. I put on a hundred of them. I, it, it's no big problem. Just meet me up here tomorrow. I'll have everything in the back of my truck. And we'll, now I know you guys don't pay me to put on brake pads, but this man had a need. It took me 37 minutes to put brake pads on his truck. And it cost him $27. So 
there's a part of me that says, okay, now I'm a self-sufficient guy. I can, I can fix things like that. I can help this out. But you know what? It wasn't about me. It was about helping this person that he couldn't afford to do something. So I did it right over here in the parking lot over here. Sid, you actually saw us over there that day when you pulled up. You just wondered, probably wondering what the world's going on over there. But I fixed things. But I was overwhelmed in a situation that I could not figure out what to do last week. I decided to take a week's vacation. I'm not going to do that again for a while. Just a tough week. But last week, I'm, I'm, I'm downtown trying to help my wife with something. I pull in downtown behind an alley, and there's, this, there's a lot of construction going on downtown. It has been for the last seven years. I don't know if you know that or not, but there's always something going on downtown. Had some, we've had some great government grants that's helped us fix up, and downtown looks beautiful. But I pull in back behind, and I'm going up to where they're putting in this new driveway at this alley, and concrete's being poured, and I'm trying to pull up fairly close but not get in their way and unload the things out of the back of the trailer, shut the truck off, and then I decide, that well, I could make it a little further forward, so I try to start it back up again, and it doesn't start. And I bought this real nice, reliable old 95 truck. It's 25, or 98 model truck. It's 25 years old, but it's in real good shape. I try to start this truck, and it won't start. And I'm blocking this lady who is also blocked in because of constructions over here. And she come up and says, sir, could you move your truck? And I'm going, ma'am, I can't move my truck right now. Well, I need to get out. And I thought, Lord, just help. Just, just work a miracle. Start this truck right now for me, okay? Because I don't know what's going on. It won't start. So I go into what I self-sufficiently know to do. Okay, well, this is either a fuel problem or this is either an ignition problem. Let me figure out what's going on. Well, more than likely, it's just a relay. So I go to relays. I go to fuses. I go to all these things, and, and it won't start. I even switch the relays out, which known good relays, to make, sure that, to make sure that it's not the relay. Well, it's not the relay. Sir, can you move this truck? Be Jesus. Be Jesus. No, but I can physically push this truck another four feet forward, and I think you can get out. Well, can you push it? Yeah, I can push it. So I pushed it up there right up to where the guys are pouring concrete with a concrete truck. And I said, Lord, I, I just need help. I don't know what. I don't know how to work with this truck stranded in the middle of the construction zone and this lady all over me. Well, we get the truck pushed up, and, you know, she pushes one hand. does a lot of help to me. She gets out. Okay, she gets going. And the Lord answers, Todd, walk to Dollar General and see if they have some starting fluid. Because if it fires, then I know that it's not an ignition problem, it's a fuel problem. So I get in and I tell Michelle, I'm going walking down Dollar General. She said, what are we going to do? This is the only vehicle we're in. Because I brought her into the office, into her, into her store. I said, I don't know, we'll figure this out. So I start walking down to Dollar General. Well, the Lord knew that there was no starting fluid at Dollar General. <laughs> but an interesting thing happened. I had to walk past the funeral home. And I saw people walking into the funeral home. And the Lord said, Todd, this day is a gift. I'm not finished with you, and everything's going to be okay. It doesn't make sense what's going on right now, 
you feel like you don't deserve this pressure in this situation, but I've given you another day to make a difference in this world. Now calm down. So I call my son-in-law to see if he can come. No, he's working, but Chelsea says, I'll come and pick you up, Dad, and we'll go to co-op or somewhere and get some starting fluid. Well, she showed up. We went, got some starting fluid, it fired right up, and it just took off and ran. Just started running. Well, then I figured out that the fuel pump's just weak because it takes more pressure on a fuel-injected engine to start than it does to keep it running. So I knew that I had a fuel pump problem. I'd already banged on it with a hammer underneath to try and get the fuel pump to kick on all those things. But all, what I'm trying to tell you out of the story is the Lord, when he showed me that I had one more day to make a difference, the truck ran, got me home. So then all, you know, the leaves had fallen everywhere. Well, before I'm going to work on this truck, pull this fuel, you have to pull the back of the bed off the truck to get to the fuel pump. I don't know if you've ever taken the back of the bed off a truck, but that's what I had to do on vacation, pull the back bed off the truck to fix the fuel pump. Leaves are everywhere, so I thought, I just wonder if that truck's going to start again so I can push it back, move it out of the way, blow everything off before I have to crawl underneath it. Fired right up and ran. Well, then uh, instinctively I shut it off, and I thought, oh, no, now I'm going to have to push this thing back under. Started right back up and ran again. The Lord is doing more things in your life than you know. That's what I learned through that circumstance. Todd, I'm just trying to teach you that each day is a gift. I'm just trying to teach you to just calm down. And even when life doesn't make sense, I've got something under control. Don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in him. Acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. So I tell my son-in-law and my son what's going on. He says, hey, I got time. We'll come over. We'll help you. We'll get this thing lifted off. And I tell you what, we changed that fuel pump. Oh, by the way, it's $1,000 to change the fuel pump at a, at a reputable place. We fixed it for $89. The Lord provided in a great way. But I'm tempted to believe when things don't make sense. I'm tempted to believe that I can devise a strategy and make smart moves. I don't know about you. I think I can get through life on my own by my own wit and grit. My dad instilled a very strong work ethic in me. I've seen people, I've watched people, I've read biographies about people that if you're just, did y'all watch, I know Patty did because she and I talked about, did y'all watch uh, Coach Prime on 60 Minutes? Do y'all remember Deion Sanders? He's now coaching the team. You need to look it up on YouTube and just watch about what wit and grit sometimes will do. He's done an amazing thing. The Lord got in touch with Deion Sanders, and he's actually doing some amazing things. But don't rely on your own understanding to get through life. Just acknowledge God and allow him to direct your path. Because I've figured this out now that I'm 60. I'm not smart enough to navigate the dangerous trails of life. I don't have the strength anymore or the wisdom to successfully weave through the minefields that this life allows us to encounter. But rather, the Bible says that I am to trust God with all my heart and not lean one iota on my own understanding. When I'm tempted to fear and doubt, worry, God calls me to jettison my own understanding and trust him entirely. Things may not make sense to me, but God knows exactly what's going on. Here's something I read from John Piper. God is always doing 10,000 things in your life and you may be aware of only three of them. 
Not only may you see a tiny fraction of what God is doing in your life, the part you do see may make no sense to you. But the 9,997 other things are in perfect order. So, not only do we not lean on our own understanding, the second thing we must do is run to the throne of grace. When things go crazy, who do you run to? What do you run to? Now, we all know the answer is God in here tonight. But stop. What instinctively does society, what, what do Christians who are not totally following Jesus do? Well, if things are out of control and don't make sense, some people run to a bottle. Some people run to another person. And it's okay to run. I run to Michelle a lot of times. I, I'm, I'm always ready to vent to my spouse. I don't know if you all are. Do you, do you all vent to your spouse? Michelle is a, a beat up woman. Verbally a lot of times because I rant and rave a lot. I can, I can get emotional. I'm, I'm telling you I can. But when I'm following Jesus, when I've been in the word, when I've tried to do what Jesus is trying to tell me, and, I've, and, I'm, and I'm disciplined in the word, I run to him. But if not, I'm running other places. Who do you run to? What do you run to? Well, look at Hebrews 4.16. We're supposed to drag something with us to God. Let us then with confidence, that's what we're supposed to drag along with us. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace and, and help in our time of need. Now, how many of you are confident about something? How many of you are confident about something? Okay, what do you do for a living? You're a hair restoration specialist. Well, am I a good client? Okay. Above average. How do you... <laughs> I'm finally above average on something. Okay. How do you get confidence in that? By learning the skill. By learning the skill. Okay. How do you learn the skill? Time. And repetition. We don't get confidence in riding a bicycle until we have rode the bicycle and we've rode it several times. We don't have confidence in speaking in front of people or praying in public. The two greatest fears of every Christian is either speaking in public or praying in public. We don't have confidence of that until we have done it. And we've done it again. And we've done it again. Well, look at what this scripture says. Let us then with confidence, the only way you're going to do it, is run to him quite often. Let us then with confidence, three things we got to do. Draw near to the throne of grace. Number two, so that we can receive mercy. Number three, so that we can find grace in our time of need. Now Paul writes us in Hebrews, what we believe is Paul. The last five words are important. To help in time of need. See, the Lord knows we're going to need. We're needy people. We need help so many times. But what a sweet, sweet promise it is to know that 
his love and his promise is there. And he, there will be times when we're brought low, we're brokenhearted and in tears. But if we follow this formula, Jesus is going to take care of us. When life is hard and circumstances are bewildering, trust in God seems impossible and we are to run to the throne of grace. Run. And it's there we'll find Jesus. So you want to know where Jesus is in all this mess? Run to him. Run only to him. And that's where you'll find him. And he's ready to give us exactly what we need. And the reason we know that is he too, or he too endured hardship, heartbreak, and suffering. And he can give us grace because he experienced the same things and knows we need it. So when we're struggling to test, trust God, he invites us to run to him for sustaining grace. Number three, we're almost halfway done. Remember God's character. Remember God's character. God gave us all the capacity to remember. I wish Michelle could forget a lot of things I've said and done, but she can't. She has the capacity to remember and a small capacity to forget. Aren't we all that way? <laughs> so remember God's character. Lamentations 3, 21 through 23, which is one of my wife's favorite verses, tells us three important things. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every single morning. And great is his faithfulness. So how do I grow in trusting God? By actively calling to mind God's faithful, steadfast character. This particular passage encourages us to call three specific things to mind. His steadfast love, the mercies come every day, and the next morning they're new all over again. And number three, his faithfulness is great. The glorious chemistry of God's steadfastness, faithfulness, and constant mercy compels us to trust him. So how can I question a God whose unfailing and, un and, and unfailing love is there with me every day? So here's the thing. If I'm going to succeed in trusting God, I must actively, constantly call these truths about God to mind. It's not enough for me to know that two plus two is four and that fruitcake tastes horrible. Oh, it doesn't taste horrible, Ken? All right, let's do a poll. Who says fruitcake tastes horrible? Who says it tastes great? Okay, the latter's weird. But... <clears throat> yeah, that's what I, it's not enough for me to know what two plus two is or what I think tastes horrible is horrible, okay? I must engage my mind with the truths of God wor God's word, not my opinion of what tastes bad or tastes good. I have to engage my mind with the truths of God's word. See, some of you think fruitcake is a truth, that it tastes good. Some of you don't think it tastes good. Well, what's the truth? We don't know. But God's word, we do know. And that's the standard by which we go through. So when I call to mind God's character, I'm able to trust God even when things don't make sense. Here's what Charles Spurgeon said. Let us lean on God with all our weight. Let us lean on God with all our weight. Let us throw ourselves on his faithfulness as we do our own beds. 
That's my favorite place in the house now. My favorite place. God's given me a great place that I, I don't even deserve. And neither do any of you, your home. I can prove it if I, if I can just take you to Cuba or to India, I can prove to you, you live in a house that you don't deserve. No matter how good or bad you think your house is, I'm telling you, we live like kings. But my bed is the best place after a day. How many of you have laid down in a bed and the first like 30 seconds is like euphoria? It's like the best feeling you could ever have until you've laid there long enough that your bones start you know, aching from being in this. You, know, you all know what I'm talking about? Okay, so listen what Charles Spurgeon said. Let us lean on God with all our weight. Let us throw ourselves on his faithfulness as we do our own beds, bringing all our weariness to his dear rest. You think Charles Spurgeon hadn't lived and followed Jesus? Let us bring all those things, all of our weariness to his dear rest. Number four, we need to recall God's past faithfulness. Remember, you can remember. Look at all the faithful things God has done to you through all the things you've been through in this life. Remember his past faithfulness. Jesus Christ in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going to change what he did in the past. You're okay today. You're going to be okay in the future. God's going to get us through, and he's going to be, when he's done with me, it's going to be better. This verse is a glorious reminder that God's absolutely unchanging. If God never changes and has been faithful to me in the past, then I can be absolutely sure that he'll be faithful to me in the future. God never changes. His past faithfulness is a guarantee of future faithfulness. Number five. Philippians 4, 5, and 6 tells us to pray for faith. The Lord's at hand. It says, do not be anxious about anything. Anybody ever been anxious? What do we get anxious about? What do we get anxious about? I get anxious about how much gas is going to be tomorrow. I get anxious about it. I'm just telling you, I do. I don't know if you all do. When gas rose 30 cents two weeks ago, I, I came to the office. Did you all see the gas prices? I was anxious. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Ultimately, trusting God is only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is not in control of my life, I get anxious. I'm not one of those even Stephen guys. You know, you know what I'm talking about? I'm, I'm envious of people that can just, the SIDS of the world blow me away. They just blow me away. How, the, how are they so calm? Trusting God is only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now listen, this was really good, I found. Even if I know all the truths above, the Holy Spirit must empower me to take hold of them by faith, to believe them even when circumstances would say otherwise. The only way you can get through this anxious thing, people, people do strange things to cover anxiety. I don't know if you know that or not. They take drugs, they smoke, they drink, they do a lot of things to, to calm their nerves. And we just need to pray. 
We need to remember his past faithfulness. We need to remember God's character. We need to run to the throne of grace and we need to not lean on our own understanding of things. When we do those things, God calms us right off the bat. I need the Holy Spirit to move these glorious truths from my head to my heart. If that doesn't happen, trust in God's never gonna happen. The last thing is we need to walk by faith, not by sight. Turn to 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, Paul writes to the church at Corinth and says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Therefore, we're not gonna lose heart. Though outwardly, we're wasting away. Y'all feel like you're wasting away? Though outwardly, we are wasting away, yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving. Any high achievers in here? Any overachievers in here? Here's how you achieve. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen that's what's eternal. Wow. Wow. To me, this seems to be the heart of the very heart of trusting God. The simple reality is that most of the time I have only a small grasp of what God is doing. And yet, because I know that He's good and faithful and steadfast and ready to give me grace, I'll trust Him with my whole heart. And I'll trust Him through all the circumstances that come my way, no matter what I'm going through. My last quote is from Charles Spurgeon. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon wrote. God is too good to be unkind. He's too wise to be mistaken. And when we cannot trace his hand, we gotta trust his heart. So I think I've got a lot of problems in my life. Until the other day, I was at the emergency room. You ever been in the emergency room lately? Everybody's wearing masks. It's horrible because nothing happens fast. And you wait, and you wait, and then you wait, and then you wait some more. So I had enough battery in my phone to talk, start surfing things, and, and I ran across this video. Because I just, I was really frustrated with the way the evening was working out, and all these things, and so I just asked the Lord to, to show me something that he's there. Well, I ran across this video. This song is about three, three and a half years old. It's always ministered to me, but I'd never seen the video to it. In this video, you're gonna see about a man who's gone through more than all of us in here combined, and yet he still trusts God. 